Imagine that your loved one is diagnosed with tuberculosis. Doctors say that nothing can cure it, but that fresh air would slow the disease, or at least provide good scenery. So you and your loved one are sent away to the Colorado Rockies to a wild outpost. Surprisingly, your loved one defiles expectations and lives through the summer after gaining weight. Now, years later, after being sold on the powers of a summer retreat, you and your loved one have just finished construction on a luxurious hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. This was the story of the 54-year-old inventor of dry plate photography and the Stanley steam engine, Frillian Oscar Stanley, and his wife, Flora. And the hotel in question is, of course, the Stanley. Hey guys, welcome back. I am your wonderful hostess, Tori. And I'm Tyler. Holy wow! That... <laughs> What? <laughs> I was not prepared for that intro. I know not many people know that part. No, they don't, but I was more like, oh, doctor says you gotta get fresh air. Alright, cool. We're gonna send you to the mountains. Cool. Now you're gonna build a retreat. Wait, what? <laughs> I have to build a retreat while I'm sick and dying? Wow! He was sick and dying, yes. But, like I said, over the summer, he made a full recovery, basically. And lived so much longer. He lived into the 40s, and this is in the 1903. So when I was the building say, built? I'll get into that later. Okay, that's completely fine. <laughs> I'm just, I that intro threw me for a loop. That, that's one of the things I love about our intros because when you and I prepare it, like we don't tell each other what we're saying. So hearing that the whole time, I was like, "What? Wait, what? What?" <laughs> it threw me for yeah. a loop. <laughs> I know, I, I love it. I was just like, wow, I was not prepared. <laughs> Honestly, this is a crazy story, and I love it. It's one of the classics that you definitely know. Right. I mean, because, I mean, who doesn't love, love The Shining? Of course. So, if you guys don't know, this week we are going to look into the most famous hotel in America, The Stanley. So, of course, you recognize the name. Fans out there, if you don't, you may recognize it by the infamous Overlook Hotel from Stephen King's The Shining. And Dr. Sleep, the sequel. I mean, I would still count that as kind of the same thing. You know, I actually, I know this is not going to be liked in like the film community, but I kind of enjoyed Dr. Sleep more than enjoyed The Shining. Well, yeah, because they were two different directors. Kubrick directed The Shining and... Yeah. Stephen King absolutely hated that. 100%. <laughs> like, Kubrick is an amazing director, but King was just like, you ruined all my character. <laughs> I think, I didn't write this down, but I'm pretty sure when I went through it, Stephen King was so unhappy with the movie that he actually set up, like, a play kind of performance at the Stanley. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know. I found that so funny, but I was so interested in like the paranormal and the history of it. Yeah. That I'm just like, okay, like I could say that like in a little comment or something. Like, because Stephen King hated the movie and he, I want to say he did stay at the, the Stanley Hotel. That's where he got the inspiration. Oh, man. Okay, well, tell me more <laughs> about this hotel, because I, you know, I mean, I just know it because of, you know, The Shining and stuff, and Dr. Sleep, but let's get into it. 
All right, so in 1909, after only six years of construction, Stanley and his wife opened their doors to the Stanley in order to create a place of relaxation and rejuvenation for themselves, their friends, and their elites at the time. And a year later, a lodge that was only around two-thirds the size of the main building was also finished, only having around 30 rooms compared to the hundred of the main lodge. So, okay, so this guy built a lodge for all his friends, but it wasn't completed yet. So while they were still doing construction, he had all his rich buddies, like, hanging out? So there's the main lodge where The Shining is supposed to, like, take place. Okay. But then there's a smaller building off to, say, if you're looking at the building, it's to the left of it. Okay. Um, that's the, like, smaller like 30 or so room house. I didn't look up how many. It only said like two thirds. I'm like, okay, 30, 33 rooms. I know that there were a hundred in the main building. Gotcha. Yeah. So okay. this is a pretty big land. But he built this for him and his buddies. Basically. Wow. All right. Yeah. He's also freaking rich. Like, oh, Stanley Steamer, not the carpet cleaner, oh. like we know today. <laughs> when I, you said I that, I was like, Stanley Steamer carpets. Stanley Steamer makes your, your home cleaner. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. No, that was actually, I want to say that was brought up in like the 40s by... Oh, God. Um, I am forgetting their name right now. But I kind of laughed. What's the girl in um, the kidnap movie in for what, Stephen King? In the kidnap? The girl that was kidnapped in What's Stephen the name King? What's that That was kidnapped? No, that kidnaps the author. Oh, my God. It's misery. It is... Oh, my God. I've read the book like three times. I know. It's so funny because the name actually has a connection. Annie? Yeah, it's Paul Sheldon and Annie Wilkes. I may be completely wrong on this. Annie Wilkes, yes. Okay, thank you. But Stanley Steamer was actually made in 1947 by a Jack A. Bates. So I was thinking in the horror direction, oh. but a different horror. <laughs> well, you, I mean, Bates, I thought of like yeah. Kathy Bates who played Annie Wilkes. Yeah, I was thinking of like Bates, Bates Motel. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm really mad at myself for not remembering that because I legit have read Misery three times, and we've seen the movie too. Oh, I, I own the movie. I've have watched Misery so many times, and yeah. Now the opening was completely exclusive with only friends and the hot monde, which is the fashionable people slash elite of society being in attendance. And Stanley even had John Philip Sousa, who is a renowned U.S. military composer for songs like The Stars and Stripes Forever. So Sousa actually directed the band on the opening. And Harry Houdini performed in the Ornate Concert Hall. So it was a pretty big party overall. It sounds like it. Oh my god, that sounds awesome. But here's the thing. It was not a hotel opening. The Stanley wouldn't become a hotel until the 30s. 
This massive party was basically a housewarming party for the Stanleys. Wait, so when was it originally built? It was originally built, well, finished in 1909. Okay. And even in the, it wouldn't become made until the 30s, officially. No, construction was done in 1909, but it wouldn't become a hotel until the 1940s. It wasn't that they were finished building in the 30s. It was that they sold it off to a company in the 40s. And then that owner made it a hotel. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah, so building was basically finished. It was so big that the fourth floor was even set aside for the nieces and nephews, which... Flora and Freeland loved so dearly since they didn't have any children of their own, as well as the kids' nannies and the women that worked on the property at the time. Unfortunately, it all seemed to go downhill from there. For in 1926, the property was sold to the Stanley Corporation, which was a private company established to manage Freeland's assets. But without Stanley's fortune to have the annual budget, the corporation soon filed for bankruptcy, and Stanley bought it back at a low price, only to sell it off in 1930 to a fellow auto and hotel magnate, Roe Emery. And Emery remained the owner until 1947. Sadly, because the national park nearby was still growing, the hotel wasn't very successful, and in the mid-90s, the hotel was purchased by John Cullen. Reed Rowley, the Stanley's vice president of business development, once said in an interview that our owner thought it was a pie in the sky that we were going to get this. So he bid $3.14 He bet pie. And lo and behold, the first two guys dropped out and he ended up with it. And when Cullen took over, the budgets had been so stretched that the drapes were nearly just duvet covers nailed to the windows. And the hotel could continue to decay if it wasn't for the help of Stephen King, who not only based the shining off of the hotel, but Pet Cemetery as well. Really? Yeah. They actually have a literal pet cemetery on the grounds of The Shining, which Stephen King later based his book on. That's interesting. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. It's a little, a little tidbit. I don't know how he really got that idea. I mean, maybe the pet cemetery is like in a dense forest on a creepy path type of thing. <laughs> But, yeah, it was based off of the Stanley as well. God, wow, that's actually really cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that Pet Cemetery came out of that. Now, let's get to the good stuff. I'm sure that yes. everyone is waiting on the creepy tales. So. Yeah, I've been dying to hear it. Like, you know, I love the history, but, like, where the hell is the horror? Ignoring you. <laughs> let's dive into the deeper haunting and creeping side of the Stanley that has made it so famous 
then more than half of the guests are there because of the book and movie. So the first instance happened on June 25th, 1911, when the power went out because of a flood. Stanley started up a backup system for the lighting, which included gas lighting lanterns in each room. There was a leak of acetylene in room, in room 217. Now, not knowing about the leak, a bedchamber named Elizabeth Wilson went into the room to turn on the lights and accidentally set off an explosion. Luckily, after being blown to the bottom floor, Wilson somehow survived after a two-day coma. Whoa, whoa, hold up. What exploded, and did he get hit in the exploder that set him in the coma? There was a she, Elizabeth Wilson. Okay. So she walked in with a candle lit to light the room for the night. Okay. Like light the little lanterns. There was already acetylene gas leak in the room. Which I'm assuming is explosive. Yes, it's very flammable. Okay. She walked in, opened the door, and then boom. Wow, that's awful. Oh my yeah. god. And then she was blown to the bottom floor somehow miraculously survived, only ending up in a two-day coma. Okay. Also, I want to say two broken ankles as well. All right. Nothing else I could find on her injuries except for two broken ankles and the two-day coma. So, do you know what caused the gas leak? I do not. Okay. Yeah, that to this day is still a mystery. We just know that there was a leak. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> So, Wilson did survive, but that can't be really said for 10% of the hotel. Parts of the hotel were found up to a half a mile away, and some churchgoers later recalled seeing a bathtub flying in the air during the explosion. Of course, it was all repaired, and 18 months later, Wilson came back to work and continued to work at the Stanley until 1950 when she was 80 years old and retired. And some say that she still works there to this day, helping hotel guests tidy up, straighten up their sheets while they're in bed, and other creepy but well-intentioned things. The only thing I would be cautious about with this room is to not be a part of an unmarried couple. Apparently, Wilson is very old-fashioned, and couples have reported a cold force coming between them. Now, if this story sounds familiar, but you're saying that I got it wrong, no, I did not. <laughs> in Stephen King's novel, it's actually room 237, but in real life, it's 217. And the creepy woman in the tub is supposed to be the maid. So, do you know why he picked 237 instead of 217? I do not know that. I know he stayed in 217, but I do not know the reason of 237. There, there was a reason why he picked that room, but because I was not prepared for this, I can't remember what it was. I know, and I wish I would have looked it up, but... It completely slipped my mind in the moment. Clearly, we're terrible podcast hosts. I am so <laughs> sorry, anyone listening. We could be better. Hey, if any of you guys know the reason why he changed it to 237, Stephen King, if you're listening, 
please tell us. Stephen King, if you're listening, I love you so much. <laughs> You've been my only author I legit read books from since I was like seven. Literally. I didn't even read R.L. Stein. I had R.L. Stein books, never read them. Stephen King books, immediately read. Aw, but Goosebumps. I, I, I love Goosebumps. I loved watching Goosebumps, but I never really read the books. But I did have a lot of Goosebumps books. I had True. more Stephen King books. <laughs> Alright, so as I said before, room 217 is actually the room that Stephen King and his wife stayed in when he got the inspiration for his book. In 1974, the day before the hotel was supposed to be boarded up for the winter, King and his wife checked in, but it was anything but an easy stay. King recalls, and I quote, I dreamt of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk sweating all over within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out the window of the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of my book in my mind. Interesting. Honestly, okay, so hearing that, and it's very random and has nothing to do with what you just said, but it reminded me of this movie that I watched, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but... There was this kid that was trying to become a writer, and he loved horror, so he ended up writing this, like, horror novel, and Stephen King actually wrote back to him in the movie, saying, like, you know, this is really good, you have a lot of potential, here's some things you need to fix, and I, I don't know, when you were just talking about that whole little side story, that just reminded me of that movie, and I, I want to look up the movie, because it was really good, but I just... Random side tangent. It reminded me of that. <laughs> Sorry. Nothing to do with what you were just talking about. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. I just find it a little odd that he got his inspiration not just from a dream. I mean, I'm a writer. I know getting your stuff from dreams. I get that. I've done that plenty of times. But a fire hose chasing your son... And strangling him to death. But honestly, your dreams were your best ideas. I mean... Very true. Last night, I had a dream about being a Power Ranger. And <laughs> it honestly kind of inspired me to write some sort of story that was similar to being Power Rangers. It's just the fire hose that kind of throws me off. I think it's, it's great. You know, when you have your dreams, you have such sporadic things where you're just like, well, why did that happen? But then when you go into a deeper meaning of like your, you know, your subconscious and like, what could the fire hose mean? Why did that happen? What could it, like, subconsciously affect in other ways? You can come up with an awesome story. Oh, 100%. But I still think that the fire hose is a little out of the shining. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So another paranormal hub of the hotel is the concert hall, where Paul who was a jack-of-all-trades around the hotel, enforces a 11 p.m. curfew from beyond the grave by yelling, Get out. Wait, and who was Paul? So Paul was a worker at the hotel, and his job... Was he manager? I don't know his exact job. It just says that he was a jack-of-all-trades, which I'm guessing he did a lot of things around the hotel. 
including keeping the curfew around the hotel. Okay. Yeah. Like, kicking people out of the concert hall after, you know, 11 p.m. or out of the pool or out of wherever. So he does that every now and again to little unsuspecting night owls. The concert hall also seems to be a favorite hangout spot for founder Flora Stanley's ghost to play her favorite piano and mess with a few guests at the same time. In one instance, a construction worker noted that he felt someone nudge him while he was sanding the floors. And tour groups have also reported that Paul has flickered flashlights at them. Another ghost in the concert hall is Lucy, a more mysterious ghost. While it's clear that she likes to entertain ghost hunters by flickering lights at them, her connection to the hotel is more unknown, with some believing that she was merely an old homeless woman that found shelter in the halls of the hotel. While room 217 is the most famous room of the hotel, the fourth floor particularly room 401, 407, and 428, seem to have more activity as a whole floor. Since its opening, the fourth floor had hosted children, female workers, and nannies. And most of the noises heard are the playful laughing of the children, little feet running, and the giggling of kids and the women. So I have a question for you. These little kids that are, like, running and giggling and stuff, have there been any reports of them, like, little kids dying or anything? So, I think it's more connections to the hotel. Like, maybe they had their best memories at the hotel, so they want to stay there type of ghosts. Wait, so they're, like, memory ghosts, not, like, people that have died there? I think so, which is why there aren't apparitions of them. More echoes of the past. That's so weird. Which, I actually, that's one of the oddest things, like, hearing you talk about the the Stanley, is that it's not that it's like, oh, someone died there and they're haunting this place, like, you know, like, normal ghost stories. It's that it's echoes and, like, random things that have happened. Well, it's so weird, too, because I know that there have been deaths at the Stanley. Have there? I want to say yes. I'll go into it a little bit later. Okay. But I couldn't find any details. Interesting. About anything. Okay. So it's more like you see Flora's ghost because she loves music and that was her home for X amount of years. She was the founder of it and she was the hostess. Basically. so weird. It is, but... I mean, not the ghost story, but just the, like, the back lore, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want to say yeah, for that. Yeah, because but, um... you want to say that this Stanley is, like, the most haunted, the creepiest, the scariest, uh, yeah, the most exactly. deadly hotel. Like, whenever you hear about the Stanley, it's, like, an awful place. Like, oh, you don't want to sleep there, even though we have rooms there. I mean, I, I mean the way that you've been talking about it, I'm like, there, it really doesn't sound like bad like especially compared to like clinton road or some of the other places we've talked about (laughs) i'm like those places sound significantly worse yeah i that is one thing that did shock me when i was doing research on this was 
how happy everything seemed. Like, even with the explosion, you would think that her ghost would haunt there because she died there. Like, no. She continued working. Literally, 18 months after the explosion, she came back to work. As a, wait, as a ghost or as a live person? As a live person. Okay. Confirming. Sorry. Confirming. <laughs> For, what is it, 21, 31 years? You said 25. Um, something like that. Um... She she didn't leave until she was 80. Wow. Yeah. She was born in, like, the 1870s, 1880s, possibly. Like, it's crazy to think all of this stuff. It really is. So, anyway, in room 401, there is a famous closet that tends to open and shut on its own. But room 428, on the other hand isn't as innocent. Though it's on the top floor, guests still report hearing footsteps above them and furniture moving about. But the real haunt is the cowboy that appears at the corner of the bed. Wait, who's the cowboy? I don't know. What? Okay, so <laughs> there was a random hotel built that a cowboy haunts? Yeah. What? Maybe maybe he was a lover of one of the women that worked there, Wait, or one but, of the nannies. Okay, but the hotel was built in, you said 1907? 1909. 19... Okay, oh, okay, so cowboys were definitely around by then. <laughs> but in Colorado? It doesn't make sense, but it does at we're, the same time. The same as in Colorado, be... right? Yes. It's in the Colorado Rockies. Oh my god, this is so confusing, like, logically. So, honestly, it could be a stable boy that just liked to dress up as a cowboy more. Or something of the sort. Um, There were probably horseback riding ranches in the mountains around Uh, that time. Right, I mean, you know, cars weren't that prevalent. You're in the Rockies. Like, yeah, horses are a big thing. It's just... Random yeah. as cowboy? Like, wait a minute. A little bit, Who's yeah. this boy? And he wasn't... It's not even really a creepy ghost. Right, it's like, just a random it's, boy. It's not a boy, it's like a full-grown man. Well, I mean, yes, but, but when I say boy, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> sure I do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just this random cowboy that is not menacing at any way. He just... Sits on the corner of the bed while you sleep. I mean, awkward, but okay. Very. I, I okay. Was he designated to a specific room, or do you know if it's like in random rooms? Four twenty-eight. Do you know why four twenty-eight? No. Okay. <laughs> wow, the Stanley is so complex and so confusing at the same time. Because it shows like the skeleton details, but it doesn't go into. Like, deeper. Right. Like, details. Well, and that's how I feel about a lot of, the, like, the research things that we do. Like, in last week when I was talking about the Clinton, there were so many things that were like, oh, stories. And there were, like, countless stories of people being like, oh, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. But then there's not that much evidence. Like, there was the occasional thing of, like, a police officer writing a report on things. But it's so insane at the same yeah. time. Because, like, it's not plausible but like you have eyewitness accounts at the same time 
Yeah, like, all of these ghosts, like, they didn't die at the hotel that I know of. Right. So, why... Logically, would there be would think, a ghost why cowboy? are there ghosts there? <laughs> yeah. Why is there a ghost cowboy? That's my biggest question in this. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> random side tangent. It was just one of those things we were saying, like, wait, what? And one more place that Miss Stanley might like to pass by is the Grand Staircase. In 2016, a visitor from Houston snapped some photos of the Grand Staircase. But when they viewed the pictures later, they spotted an apparition at the top of the stairs. The thing is that he doesn't remember anyone else being on the stairs at the time he was there. Especially not the ghost of a woman. Other notable spectral hubs include the tunnel that connects the main hotel to the workers' housing, that collapsed one day. They had a tunnel that connected to the main mansion to, like, all, like, the staff's housing. So, because it snowed so much, their logic, and this is actually very true, most winter days, you could not bring food, or it was very hard to bring food and supplies from where the workers were to the main hotel. Okay. So it was like a little underground passage that workers could go through to transport goods like so that to the main the hotel. workers would have food in like their place and they would transport that food into the main hotel in underground tunnels. I believe that there was actually some room that was just like a storage shed for the main hotel. Okay. So they would bring that kind of supplies over to the main hotel. They wouldn't bring their own food to the right. hotel. They would bring... The bought food to the hotel. Wow, that's insane. Like, honestly, thinking about that, where it's like there's so much snow and all this stuff, but, like, they would bring supplies there. Like, that's that's pretty crazy thinking about it. A little bit. Because, like, I wouldn't assume that the supplies would go to, like, the workers' area, but to the well, main hotel. I want to say that the workers did have their own food that they did keep in the workers' housing. Right. But... The food and the supplies that they brought over was from a different place that was connected more to the workers' housing. And for the guests not to see it and for the workers to be safe, you know, out of the snow, they had a hotel underneath that connected the two. Alright, so one day this tunnel did actually collapse and it killed at least one worker who was bringing food across to the main hotel. That is the only death that I found that is actually recorded. Really? Like, not and even yet, in, like, I don't the, know his name or his age. Like, not even in the hotel, just outside the hotel. Technically still in, just under. I, okay, yeah, <laughs> under, but, like, but that's insane to me, where it's, like, yeah. this is supposed to be, like, the most haunted place, like, not the most haunted, but, like, a pretty haunted place in America, and there's really not that many haunted aspects to the place when you really think about all the things that has happened kind of I, it's crazy i don't i don't know i guess i was expecting more of like a like you know like three people died here in the 1920s i, I don't know something like that yeah and the last place i'm really gonna talk about right now is the carriage house 
where the old Stanley Steamer cars are kept and the mattresses of the newly deceased are taken. Even Stanley himself is known to welcome guests at the front desk. And that actually goes into the, I'm not sure about some stuff from the beginning where I actually found that mattress thing from a ghost hunters video, but it was so choppy that I didn't get all the story. And it sounded like it was a recent death of at least three people because there were three mattresses in this carriage house. Wait, I'm confused. Like, go back to the beginning of it. Like, who died? What I happened? I don't know. <laughs> but when I did go and watch Ghost Hunters to get more information, you know, usually their first half is a lot of information on the place that they're going to. They actually went into the carriage house and there were three mattresses there that looked almost kind of brand new, but also run down. And the main ghost hunter, Zach, said something about like a recent death that had happened, but he didn't go into much detail about it. So I don't know if it was like a suicide, a gas leak again, or murder or whatever but it was big enough for them to bring the three queen-size mattresses to the carriage house okay so that's the part where i'm kind of just baffled by i guess like i don't know why they would take the mattresses out but then I also get it and i want to know more about these deaths and i tried to find it but I couldn't find any deaths at the Stanley. I have to say, I'm a little disappointed. Like, for the most haunted hotel, I guess I expected, like, at least, like, stereotypical ghost stories or, like, I want to hear creepiness out of this place. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> now, although there are many believers, there are still skeptics out there. One being Mick Garris, the director of the Shining miniseries. I didn't know there was a Shining miri like miniseries. Yeah, by Mick Garris. I never heard of him, but all right. <laughs> it might have been like a small little production. I don't know. Even after spending a night in room 217, Garris goes on to say, and I quote, I fell sound asleep at like 10 o'clock. And exactly midnight, I woke up wide awake for no reason. That's a mild supernatural kind of thing that could be more interpreted as more. Other people talked about feeling a weight or someone sitting down at the end of the bed and then they turned and looked and no one was there. That didn't happen to me. If it had, I might have been more willing to embrace the idea of the haunted hotel. But no matter what your opinion is of the hotel, you cannot deny that the book and the film have made the Stanley what it is today. It not only brought in more tourists, saving the hotel from decaying, but the film was even so popular that the owners created a hedge maze and redid the bar to closely model the movie's version. Some bartenders are even said to quote the movie's famous bar scene and if you order the hair of the dog that bit me you'll get a bourbon on the rocks and they even have an adult tricycle 
that you can ride through the halls. Really? Yes. Oh, I would totally do that. <laughs> 100%. That is the best thing, an adult tricycle. All right. Do you have any more comments about this? Um, I don't know. Oh, hearing a lot of this, I was kind of disappointed expecting, like, more creepy things happening. Yeah. So, that did disappoint me. I still want to go to the Stanley. Like, oh, yeah. I think that would be really fun. Maybe not stay in either the fourth floor or room 217, but still stay there. What would be the ideal horror place that we've talked about that you would want to stay? To stay the night, maybe where Mothman is. Because I think that's like the sweetest of the creatures that we've talked about. <laughs> and I always love Mothman. I love Mothman. He's my favorite. Alright guys, so follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon and all of that good stuff. If you have any ideas on what podcast we should do next, if you have a creepy town legend, please comment. A special shout out to Jessica Montgomery for this episode because I know she listens to this and she has been wanting this episode for a while as well. Sorry we didn't get it to you sooner, Jesse. Um, yeah, if you guys are listening to this, comment, like, subscribe, all of that stuff. Thank you guys so much, um, and we will see you next time. See ya.